What up? Happy Sunday, everyone. We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. It is Sunday, May 1st. Late night when I'm recording this, I kind of wanted to see how the day played out as far as uh, undrafted free agents went. Most of them came out yesterday, Saturday. And then obviously the, uh, the big news over the weekend is that Trey McBride drafted 55th overall by the Arizona Cardinals, first tight end off the board. I'm going to talk about the fit. Uh, I'm going to give my opinion on why he went where he did. Uh, just going to talk about his versatility and why he's going to be an asset to that offense, all kinds of stuff. Going to dive into that. Also going to talk about Scott Patchen, uh, Ryan Stonehouse, some of the other Rams, Cameron Butler that got next level opportunities. We'll keep an eye on uh, Barry Wesley and some of the other people looking for chances as well. And then at the end, I'm just briefly going to talk about the Nevada guys that got drafted as well as the Montana State guys that got drafted and why I am encouraged especially on the defensive side. Um, but just from a recruiting perspective, I think this was a really, really interesting NFL draft. And I think that there's reason to be just intrigued about the future of CSU football, given who is now running the program. Uh, before we get into all of that, I don't know about you guys, but hosting people sucks. It's, it's the absolute worst. Uh, my girlfriend out of town this weekend, visiting her parents uh, that means I'm home solo with the dog, and that's fine. You know, I love my dog to death, but it's just a constant struggle of, you know, trying to prevent him from hurting himself because he goes a million miles a minute and loves to climb on stuff and jump on stuff, and he's just so sweet. And he honestly is really smart, but then sometimes, like, you watch him jump on a rock or something, and you're just, God, you're so dumb. But the toughest part of it all has been trying to keep the uh, the town home clean because... Yeah, the girlfriend's parents that live out on the western slope now, they are coming into town Monday. They're only going to stay at night, but I feel like I kind of got to kill it here. You know, I feel like the, the place has to be immaculate. One, my girlfriend's dad is, he's just one of those dudes, like, you could lick the floor in his garage. It's so clean, let alone their house. And he's just a guy that, he, he's a little bit intimidating. I'm not going to lie. We get along really well. I think he likes me, which is big. Not going to lie, it helps that uh, the girlfriend's last boyfriend was a real... I, I don't need to talk trash, but you guys get the point. But I've just been trying to deep clean every surface and vacuum and dust and clean the tables and organize, you know, reorganize the fridge, reorganize the, the pantry, the, the cabinets, you know, just anything that could uh, possibly make make me and us look bad. I've been trying to kill it, but... I'm exhausted. I actually have a lot of content that I'm really excited to dive into now and, and get working on from a recruiting perspective, uh, from the draft perspective, all kinds of stuff that I want to get into. But just been really trying to clean up for like a day straight. I'm going to have more to do Monday morning before they get back. It's It's been exhausting. And because of that, I have come to the conclusion that hosting sucks. I, I have zero desire to ever be the 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 household in the the family that hosts for holidays, you know, where the, the grandparents and the cousins and my parents, my brother and, and his girlfriend and, you know, my girlfriend's brother. I, I don't want to be the, the family that has to host on Christmas or Thanksgiving or any of that because it's just way too much work. 
we keep a, a pretty tidy, pretty orderly place in, in the first place. It's not like, you know, it was a pigsty, but I don't know, man, just like trying to get every nook and cranny and, you know, worrying about, you know, not, not as, not that it's clean enough for me, but that it's clean enough for the, the girlfriend's dad. And whew, we'll see. I think I killed it. I, I think I'm off to a really good start. I, I think it's going to be a great reaction, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's going to be a bummer if it, it doesn't go well. I'll, I'll update you guys in a day or two, but uh, man, this whole weekend been a, been a whirlwind just following the draft and seeing where everybody goes and trying to dive into those fits and see if I like it or not and keep everything clean and keep the dog entertained, take him to the dog park, get him exercise, all that. It's It's been a lot, but I think I'm a I'm adulting now, guys. I've I've come to that realization. I'm a real life adult. I fucking hate it. Absolutely sucks. Don't get me wrong. Love my job. Uh, love my girlfriend. Love my dog. I'm happy, <laughs> but just the the responsibility and cleaning and you know insurance bills and student loans and all kinds of stuff. You just never even think about. Even in college, man, it's 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 crazy how how fast life gets real on you. Anyways, thank you guys for listening to me vent it out for a second. This is honestly therapy for me more than anything else, but I like to I like to keep you guys in on my life. I mean, you guys are you're my people. But let's let's talk about it. Let's start with Trey McBride. Uh, real quick, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, the first round, any new customer can bet five dollars, get a hundred and fifty dollars in free bets instantly. That's what's awesome. You don't even have to get the pick right. You're just betting on an NBA game. You're getting $150 in free bets just like that. If you're a current customer, don't worry. You can also get involved in the action with the same game parlay. Uh, The more legs you add, the more money you can win. And what's really cool is customers can place the same game parlay risk-free up to $20 and uh, get their money back if one leg doesn't hit. So you come up just short on that three-legger, three or more legs, get that money back, get a second chance at it. I love that DraftKings has always given you a shot at redemption. Nothing stings more than losing, you know, a three, four-leg parlay by one leg coming this close, coming one rebound shy, you know, one assist shy. DraftKings, in that instance, they recognize, hey, you were right online, you were thinking right, we're going to give you another shot. I just love that. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win. Get $150 in free bets if they do. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. A minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you guys for bearing with me on that intro. Went a little bit longer than I intended. Uh, it was supposed to be like two minutes. Went like four and a half. Oh, well, I'm a rambler. It's my podcast. You're here to listen to me, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Trey McBride, number 55 overall to Arizona. Tight end one off the board, as we all expected. I, right in line, I would say, with where most of the late mocks had him, you would see some late 40s, early 50s. That's kind of right in line where uh, most of the quote-unquote experts had him. It ultimately just comes down to positional value. You know, Like we said, he was the first tight end off the board, which is what we all expected. We all knew he was the best tight end in the country, especially after winning the Mackey Award. For him to go in the first round, or ultimately even probably to be like a top 40 pick, 
he needed a team to absolutely fall in love with him. You know, something like New England taking Cole Strange in the first round, and that was even crazier. Like, Trey going in the first round would not have been as wild as the offensive guard from uh, Tennessee Chattanooga going in the first round. And that's not even any beef at Cole Strange. He's actually, he's a stud. Hasn't given up a sack since, like, 2018. My guy Andre Simone had been talking about him on the draft pod for a while, but he's a guy that you could have gotten in the third round, and they took him in the first round. It was just an odd decision. If that would have happened, it would have been really cool. Obviously, it would have been great to see CSU get their first, you know, first round pick since Kelly Stoffer back in uh, 87, who was drafted by the Cardinals as well, back when they were still in St. Louis. From CSU's perspective, that would have been really cool. It would have been really cool just from a recognition standpoint of, of Trey's talent. It also would have put significantly more pressure on him. When you were a first-round pick, especially at a skill position, wide receiver, running back, you know, tight end, quarterback, you're going to be expected to produce, and produce in a major way almost immediately. And I'm not saying that Trey doesn't have the talent to do that. We all know how much I respect him, how much I love his game. I think it translates to the next level. It's going to be awesome. But ultimately, and I'll talk about this a little bit more with Arizona specifically and, and why I like the fit with him going there, Tight ends very rarely come out of the gate and just produce like all pros. I mean, you look at Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. These guys took, you know, two, three, four years to really come into their own. And if he would have gone first round, I worry you end up with like a Noah Fant situation in Denver where, you know, you're expected to be that Travis Kelsey type to, you know, go for a thousand yards, double digit touchdowns, really just be a stud out there, a mismatch at all times. And if you're just, you know, okay, which is basically what Fant was in Denver. And I do think that there's an, there's an argument that he was not used correctly. He's more of a, you know, stretch the field type guy. And they were kind of trying to throw it to him in the, in the flat and have him break tackles, which just wasn't going to happen. But because he was a first round pick, you know, whether the, the staff was using him correctly or not. And again, I don't think they were, I think you can make the same argument for Drew Locke. I think he, his development was probably stunted by the, the last offensive regime. Would it have made a difference enough for, you know, Fant to be an all-pro tight end for Drew Locke to pan out with different coaches. Who knows? I'm just saying they weren't put in the best position to succeed. Regardless of that, because Fant was a first-round pick, the fans had the expectation that he was going to kill it. He didn't. The fans turned on him quickly. I mean, people forget Broncos fans were stoked about Noah Fant. They were stoked to see an athletic tight end come to town, and they were stoked to see Denver invest in him early. But again, you know, fans are fickle, and it turned very very quickly. It just got sour. It was a bad fit altogether. And the reason I bring it up is, again, like Broncos fans were stoked, absolutely stoked about the selection of Noah Fant. Kind of looking at the way that Cardinals fans reacted, I don't think they were like jumping for joy that they took Trey McBride. Now, I will say that the reaction seems to have, have shifted. I think once the, the fans had an opportunity to go back, to dive into who he is, and even the, the PHNX Cardinals guys, same deal, they got a lot more excited, but I mean, considering they had traded for Zach Ertz, I just don't think that tight end was a, a position that Cardinals fans expected Phoenix to to target, particularly early in, in this draft. And so when their first selection of the night, because remember, they, they traded their first round pick for Marquise Hollywood Brown, which just again, uh, another little side tangent, I, I don't quite understand that. I mean, it was basically what A.J. Brown went for, who's 
significantly better than than Marquise Brown. Um, you know, if you're going to give up a first for him, why not give up a first and a fourth or whatever for AJ if that's what it would have taken? I know that Marquise and and Kyler played at Oklahoma together, and this seems like they're just trying to appease Murray and all that. I get all of it, but is is Brown a, a top twenty five receiver in this league? I, I don't think so. I mean, I admittedly I don't have a list in front of me. I'd have to go through it, but I highly doubt it. And I think with some of the receivers you could have gotten in the first round, it just would have made a lot more sense to me, especially from a cost control perspective. Anyways, that's a whole side tangent because they didn't make a a pick in the first round and they took Trey McBride with their first selection at number 55 in the second round. I just think a lot of Cardinals fans were like tight end really. And because of that, you know, I think Trey's going to kind of have to go in there and kind of justify the decision, you know, win everybody over. Um, having said that, I-, I like the fit as far as Arizona's offense goes quite a bit. I like that Zach Ertz is there because again, it it takes tight ends a couple of years to really come into their own, at least traditionally, I like that Ertz is there to help take some of the pressure off of him early. I like that you have talent at the receiver position. Obviously, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Marquise Brown. He's a talented player. Again, I'm just saying I'm not sure I would have given up a first-round pick for him. I think the fact that you have a lot of guys that can stretch the field, that you have a a veteran tight end, all of that is going to be great for Trey as he kind of gets his feet under him, gives him an opportunity to flash here and there. But I don't think the expectation is, you know, to catch 75 balls, have a thousand yard season, 10 touchdowns, you know, year one. I just, I, I think that it's a really good situation for him surrounded with talent and in an opportunity to kind of get creative. Because I think one of the things that's really going to be interesting, particularly with Kyler, who tends to operate out of the gun or like even a, a pistol type formation, you could put a running back behind him, put Trey in the backfield next to him do all kinds of, of play action stuff. You could have Trey run like a Texas route where he kind of goes, you know, off the tackle and then, you know, run the slant back across the middle, you know, swing routes to the outside. There's there's all kinds of stuff that you could do with Trey. They didn't actually do much of it, but I I, I thought that Adazio and co. would kind of do some of the stuff that they did with Aaron Hernandez at, at Florida back in the day, which is exactly what I'm talking about out of the backfield now. We, we did see it occasionally, I mean, they, they pretty much moved Trey everywhere. Um, but again, you know, that that's what's going to be cool is because you have so much talent elsewhere, you can just kind of put Trey wherever you want. You know, you can line him up off tackle. You can put him in the backfield. You can line him out wide and just have him go be a receiving threat. But I think the biggest thing is just having talent and having experience around him. One, to, you know, kind of teach him the way, but two, to just take some of that pressure off of him to to be the guy immediately. You know, I, I do think we see that from Trey at some point. But I just want CSU fans to be patient, especially if it's kind of slow in year one, which is, you know, how it tends to be with tight ends. You got to remember, it, it takes a little bit. And ultimately, I think the best situation is just being patient and giving him a chance to to kind of adjust to the, the size and the speed at the next level because it's, it's going to be different, clearly. But all in all, I, I think it's a good fit. Um I'm fairly skeptical of Cliff Kingsbury. I'm I'm not a Kingsbury kind of guy. To me, he's he's just underwhelmed, at least in terms of the talent that he's had. I mean, he's coached a lot of really good quarterbacks, and none of those teams have really ever done anything, and they tend to choke in a rather dramatic fashion down the stretch. I don't know. I just I feel like they have a lot of intriguing pieces, and they didn't do a whole lot of anything to optimize their skill set last year. So maybe it's it's going to be different this time around. 
I have some reservations with Murray too. I mean, just staying healthy. He's a smaller guy, obviously a very electric player, uh, the ability to run around and improvise. I think that's, you know, again, a, a very football savvy guy and Trey, a guy who knows how to use the field can kind of feel where the linebackers and the DBs are, let him kind of drift around playing with a quarterback like Kyler. That could be great. I also think Kyler makes a lot of really just weird decisions to say the least, but all in all, I think it's a good fit. I mean, you heard uh, Steve Keim, the Cardinals GM, I believe I said that name right, talking about him afterwards. You know, they said he was by far their their number one tight end on the board. They did not expect him to be there at 55. The fact that they took him with their first selection shows a, a franchise commitment to Trey, which is always great. And then just, you know, from a local CSU fan perspective and kind of tying that in with Broncos fans, which obviously a lot of the, the local CSU fans, the ones that are here are also Broncos fans. Arizona's cool because it's a it's a convenient spot. You can drive there, you can fly there relatively cheap, and you can cheer for him basically all the time without any context of of having it hurt Denver. Now, the the Cardinals actually do come to Denver this year, and I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, but yeah, most of the time you're gonna be able to root for him. It's not gonna matter. And and when they do play, it kind of feels like it's it's more times than not in preseason. So, you know, these first couple of years, especially might get an opportunity to see Trey play quite a bit in some of those exhibition opportunities. We'll have to see if they play in preseason this year, just uh, given that they do have a regular season game, but that was kind of perfect. You know, I I was kind of rooting for him. If he didn't end up in Denver to end up in the NFC, you wanted him to end up with a competent franchise. Obviously you don't want a, a dumpster organization that just always blows it. But I was hoping for Arizona was one of the teams I had on my list. Uh, Dallas was up there. Green Bay was as well, just from a, you know, get an opportunity to play with a great franchise and play for a great quarterback. But ultimately lands in Arizona. Good spot for him. Good spot for CSU fans. And uh, great for CSU to have another guy get drafted and, and get drafted early. I mean, every year you need to be one to like three guys. You know, there'll be a year here and there where you don't get a guy drafted and there might be a year where you have, you know, three, four guys drafted and it's, it's more than usual, but you know, no players drafted, which was obviously the case like these last couple of years, that's unacceptable. Uh, then, you know, wh- who are you? CU, Texas. God, that's so crazy. If you would have told me in uh, 2005, you tell 2005, Justin, that year CU and Texas played in the big 12 championship game before Texas. Ultimately I uh, went on to win the national championship if you tell Justin that, you know, 20 years later, however many years later it is, that Texas and CU are going to have zero players drafted, that's insane. I mean, CU is one thing, but Texas, that is just absolutely insane. More money, more talent as far as the, the high school scene goes than any other state in the country. And the University of Texas produces zero draft picks. That's just, that's wild. That's wild. Shows you how fast things can fall. Uh, shows you how things quickly, or uh, shows you how quickly things can change, which, you know, it, it can go the other way too, which is kind of the thing I'm encouraged about as far as the direction of CSU. Yeah, you can you can fall quickly, but you can rise up quickly too if you have the right leadership. And uh, I think CSU does, at least when it comes to the coaches. Uh, administratively, I'm not so sure, but when it comes to the coaches, I believe in what is happening right now. We'll get into that a little bit more momentarily. Real quick, I want to talk to you guys about Ripple, a fast-acting, dissolvable, clinically proven hit two times faster than the leading gummy. 
Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. It's flavorless. It's a dissolvable powder. You can put it right in your water. Like I said, it's flavorless, so you can throw it in your soda if you want. Uh, Ripple Quick Sticks are the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour it right on your tongue. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience you're looking for. No sketchy science here. Ripple's, uh, Ripple, excuse me, speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University Go Rams in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people, and the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. This isn't some random brownie you eat, and you know it might impact you a little bit. It might send you to Mars. You can get exactly the type of high that you are looking for, and ultimately, that's great because I think you know if you have a bad experience, it can really scare you off. And uh, you, you just want to be in control. And that's why I really like Ripple. Where can you find it? Colorado's premier dispensary. That is a light shade, of course. They have 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location is now open one block off 6th Avenue and Federal Boulevard. It's the biggest light shade store. They have specialty products not offered at other locations. Go check it out. Light shade offers something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. What's great is our listeners can get 25% off non-sale items when they use the code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. And again, use that code DNVR so they know that we sent you. So that you get 25% off. That is a crazy discount at Lightshade Dispensaries. All right, I will, uh, I'll wrap up the podcast with a couple of thoughts on Scott Patchen, Ryan Stonehouse, as uh, well as the other Mountain West players that will be playing with Trey McBride in Arizona. Real quick, though, like I talked about before the, uh, the ad break there, one of the things that was really interesting to me in this draft was where would the Nevada players go and, and where would some of those Montana State defensive players go, specifically linebacker Troy Anderson uh, with Philly, Cole Turner, tight end, ended up going in the fifth round to Washington. Wide receiver Romeo Dubs goes to Green Bay. Uh, first off, I love Dubs to Green Bay. That is a perfect fit. Dubs is one of my favorite deep ball targets because he just goes up and gets the football. Really, really aggressive hands. A freaky athlete. He's going to kill it with Rodgers. I mean, they're trying to make up for some of that production lost with Devontae Adams no more, no longer in town. No more in town. <laughs> Uh, I, I really like Romeo Dubs there. I feel bad for Cole Turner going to Washington. That is just, you know, when I talk about franchises that are just constantly in, in the gutter, constantly just a dumpster fire, Washington is certainly near the top of that list. Uh, but I do think in the right scenario, Cole Turner can be productive. You know, I don't think he's like the cleanest guy in the world in terms of his route running or even catching at times. But I mean, when you're that big, you move that well you're just going to be a mismatch. So if the coaches use him right, he can be really good. And uh, Carson Strong kind of unsurprisingly goes undrafted, signs with Philadelphia. Low-key, kind of a nice landing spot. There, there are two guys ahead of him with uh, Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew, which I like because there's, again, no immediate pressure for Carson Strong to come in and, and kill it. I also am not sure that Hertz or Minshew are the long-term options in Philly. I, I think Hertz has a, has a chance, and they're giving him a shot here with the talent that they're putting around him. If those guys come up short, it, it kind of presents a nice opportunity for Strong to get in the system for a couple years and then potentially you know, flash down the line. The arm talent is there. I mean, I, I would argue he throws the best deep ball of anybody that came out. 
the, the big question with him and the reason why he went undrafted is uh, the injury history, a couple of knee injuries, one in high school, one in college, and then just the lack of mobility. And in the modern game, you've got to be able to improvise a little bit. You can't be a statue back there. And that doesn't mean you have to be Lamar Jackson, but I mean, even looking at guys like Tom Brady, he's very deceptively, I mean, obviously his footwork's phenomenal, but he moves so well. He climbs up in the pocket. You just, you can't be standing still. And there, there's some worry that Strong isn't going to be able to move well enough. One, he's just not the most explosive athlete anyways, but then when you factor in the, the knee injury history, it's just tough to say, you know, like, we might be worrying about it a little bit too much. Scouts might be dead on. We'll just kind of have to see. It's tough to forecast given that he hasn't really been 100% healthy now in like two and a half years. You take the the lack of mobility out or at least take the injury history out, and I think he's probably like a third, fourth round pick at, at worst. It was just a weird year, especially for quarterbacks. Uh, I'll, I'll obviously be rooting for him. Uh, what was encouraging, I think, at least from the air raid perspective and like how it sends people to, to the league. I think it's great seeing the skill guys go on. And again, I think if Carson doesn't have the injury stuff, he's going to get drafted too. You can use that as a selling point. If you're CSU, not only is this offense a lot of fun to plan, not only are we going to put up a ton of points, go for a ton of yards, but you can get noticed by NFL teams and you can ultimately go on to the next level. That's huge. Like you need to be able to send guys to the league. If you are going to be able to, you know, steal the guys with power five interests. That's how you, you know, convince some of these people who have, you know, maybe could go, you know, sit on the bench for a couple of years at a, at a bigger school or they could come kill it for a couple of years at a program like CSU. All of that is great. And then uh, from the defensive side, seeing Troy Anderson go 58 to Atlanta, a couple picks after Trey McBride, that was a guy who I was really hoping would be there for, for Denver. Um, I, I thought it was cool to see one, how highly he was, valued because he's an athletic freak, a guy that is just a really talented football player, converted quarterback, actually played some tight end at one point. Seeing him go in the second round, one, it, it validated my own opinion of him and, and made me feel smart. I'm not going to lie. But it also made me really excited about the future of CSU's defense under Freddie Banks. And the reason is, is again, I, I brought up Troy Anderson being a converted quarterback, guy that played tight end as well, ultimately being a second round linebacker that gets drafted. One of the things that Banks talked about at his introductory press conference was, you know, you hear often that it's impossible to get, you know, talented defensive players to come at this level because they all get scooped up by the P5 schools. And Banks was basically like, that's bullshit, dude. It's, it's all on you and the effort that you're willing to put into the process. And one of the things that he highlighted specifically was the fact that you can take offensive players and convert them You've got to have an eye for it. It's not something that everyone can do, but they had a ton of success with it. Obviously, Troy Anderson ends up being a second round pick. They also had an edge in Daniel Hardy, who was drafted in the seventh round by the Rams. He's a converted tight end as well. That's what you got to do. You got to get creative when you're a program. Obviously, like Montana State and FCS, that's a completely different level, but even CSU, you know, sometimes you're going to have to find guys that are playing running back because, you know, at the high school level, the best athletes tend to be on offense. They tend to be making plays because all they care about is, is winning. So you're going to, you know, give the, the best athletes an opportunity to make plays. That changes a little bit at the D1 level. It changes at the pro level too. Your best athletes, like the, the rawest, just fastest, most explosive guys. Obviously you want some of those guys on offense, but that's like your edge players, your corners. 
And a lot of them in high school, even in, in college in certain, some circumstances, you know, they played on offense, got converted over. I, I am very encouraged by Freddie Banks. One, just his coaching style. I think he's really relatable, and I think the players like him a lot. I also think he's a guy that might just be really brilliant defensively. And, and you see it with some of the stuff and the way he moves guys around. I'm going to be really interested to see how uh, Angel King pans out at safety. He was the DB's coach at Nevada before he went to Montana State. And when they brought in King initially, his plan was to move him to safety. Then, you know, Banks ended up going to Montana State. He said a corner was really good at corner. But now that he has a chance to coach him again, he's like, no, you know, he's going with his original vision, moved him over to safety. He's a guy that's, that's you know, willing to get creative. And I like that a lot. Find solutions, find alternatives, don't find excuses. And I, I just, I think we're seeing that. And I think it's encouraging. It's one thing to say that, like all the coaches say the right things, but you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. And when Montana State is, is getting guys drafted, when they're getting more guys drafted than, you know, CSU one, but Texas CU, you know, a lot of that has to do with coaching. And I think the, the Rams got a good one on the defensive side as well. All right, I might talk a little bit more about this again on tomorrow's pod, uh, especially the punting stuff. But yeah, the last thing I want to talk about on today's pod is the uh, the other Rams that are getting next level opportunities so far. Scott Patchen has signed with the Colts. Ryan Stonehouse has signed with the Tennessee Titans, both as undrafted free agents. And tight end Cameron Butler has received an invitation to rookie minicamp with the New York football Giants. Just briefly, uh, Butler is a guy who I think in the right scenario could, you know, it would not surprise me for for him to be an NFL player. I think he's a sleeper to, you know, potentially make a, a name for himself out there. Injuries really held him back, but I mean, we saw what he was capable of being when used correctly. He's a really gifted receiver. He's got a nice size. He can block, you know, some of the same versatility stuff you say with Trey. You can also attribute to, to Cameron Butler it would not surprise me if he, you know, makes a, a name for himself. He's he's really gonna have to kill it. I mean, when you're a guy that's only getting a rookie mini camp invite, you know, you really gotta bust your ass and improve it. But sometimes all you need is an opportunity. Uh, Scott Patchen signing with the Colts. Uh, it's a defense that scheme wise, I think he he fits. He's gonna have to become a, a more complete defensive end, especially against the run. He he. A very gifted pass rusher, but he's also kind of a glory chaser. Just, you know, sometimes would be a little reckless with his pursuit and then, you know, would leave lanes for guys to cut back on him. You saw that quite a bit. And then, you know, the thing that's really going to hurt Patch is just his age. You know, at 25 years old, you know, he's a half decade older than, you know, a lot of the guys that are going to be getting brought in. And because of that, you know, your, your margin for error is just so much thinner. You know, you've got to leave no doubt. So uh, we shall see. Um, I think Patchen is a guy who ultimately will be like a really good like, GA somewhere in the next couple of years. Wouldn't surprise me if he ended up at uh, Texas A&M with Steve Adazio. Ryan Stonehouse, though. I, I just I don't understand this process when it comes to NFL teams evaluating punters. The two best punters I've seen in my life, not because they were CSU Rams, but because I got to watch them consistently, Hayden Hunt and Ryan Stonehouse, neither of them get drafted. This year, four punters get drafted. None of them are Ryan Stonehouse. And I, I knew that Ariza was going to get drafted. Ariza, Ariza, whatever. 
punt guy, whatever you want to call him from San Diego State. And he's very talented. The fact that he can kick and punt, it's great. Got a cannon of a leg. I've often argued that he outkicks his coverage all the time. Reminds me of Stonehouse's freshman year where you're just kind of kicking the, the absolute crap out of the football. There's not a lot of rhyme or reason behind it. But that was an area where Stonehouse really improved. He obviously has the rocket of a leg, but he's, he's you know, learned to have the accuracy. And that was the thing that, you know, to this day, I still think Hayden Hunt might be the best punter I've ever seen just because the way he could drop it, you know, in a bucket. Like, an ideal Hayden Hunt punt was like 50 yards and it just goes out at the four-yard line. He would do it every time. It didn't have to be that booming. It didn't have to look that great. The ball would just always go where it needed to be. Stonehouse developed some of that over the years and then obviously just had the insanely booming, powerful leg. I don't know if they're just... They're, you know, using the Coors argument and, and just saying it's the thin air, using the altitude against him. If that were the case, I would say uh, watch him in every other stadium he punted in over the last five years. The ball did the same fucking thing that it did in the thin air. I, I knew he wasn't going to get drafted, but there aren't four punters in the country better than Stoney. I don't think there's any, including punt God. You know, I'll say that one with my chest. Areza was the second best punter in the Mountain West. But the fact that four punters did get drafted, which is an insanely high amount, I figured Ariza would be the only one, maybe two, maybe the Georgia kid. Four, though, none of them are Stonehouse. That just, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to me. And I'm really looking forward to him going out there and proving everyone wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's just insane. All right, that's all we have for today's episode. Uh, we'll update you on some of the stuff happening with some of the other programs on the next episode. Uh, do some recruiting updates as well. We'll see what happens with uh, CSU Men's Golf, how that all finishes out. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Much love to you. Thank you for everybody for continuing to support my content. Hope everyone has a great week. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be